Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What's up, y'all? Sean here. Oh, late night, Dana, you strike again. So Tuesday afternoon, we tape, produce, schedule this whole show, everything. And then bang, middle of the night, the UFC goes and signs Kayla Harrison to fight Holly Holm at bantamweight at UFC 300. So why do I say this? Well, you can probably already tell. We talk quite a bit about women's bantamweight on this one and not particularly in a flattering way. So just wanted to give you all a little context around this conversation. I think this certainly throws an interesting wrinkle into that equation, though I very much have my questions about how this is going to work, whether this is sustainable, whether Kayla can make 135 consistently and safely, or whether we're just looking at another Chris Cyborg situation here. Either way, one signing does not change everything we discussed today. Still stands with or without Kayla, but hey, if you disagree... Let us know. We always love some healthy debate here. Anyway, I'll get out of the way. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening. Love y'all. What is up, my friends? I hope all y'all out there just having a wonderful start to your year crushing life over there having a nice little january this is the mma fighting ranking show i'm sean oshadi and we are back oh yes we are back and we've got the gang my co-captain in this expedition the prince of positivity the king of the north alexander k lee also joined by our old friends podcast pals mike heck jed mashu we got the whole crew winding down from another whirlwind week out there in toronto kicking off the year in earnest how we doing, fellas? Uh, excuse me, Shaheen. Meaning to redo this intro. I would like to be announced as the infection going forward. Uh, <laughs> it's a great nickname. I checked. I don't think any fighters are using Certainly no fighters are using it. Not sure why. Doesn't seem to be getting around out there. So uh, if I could if I could be AK the infection lead from now on, that would be great. I've got a good catchphrase, like what various, you know, social interactions like, bro, you just got infected. What up? And then I go for like a high five or a dap or something. Or I dap them first. Oh, sorry, you dap first. And then you say you just got infected. And then we all go like, oh, the infection is spreading. There's, it's a lot of, I, I'm, I'm workshopping some things, guys. 
I'm workshopping some things. Okay, I, I like the infection is spreading. I think the inf- you got you just got infected would be better if we shortened it just to infected oh. and then you did like a DX suck it. Punchy. Like a real DX <laughs> suck it on it, you yeah, know? Very, very punchy, very punchy. I like it. It's good, good, good note. Good note. That's what we're here for. I'm very uncomfortable right now. I, 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 don't, I don't like it. I don't, I, none for me. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else can I say? I can never follow what AK just said, but I'm, I'm happy to be here, fellas. Happy to be here. Unif- uninfected, uh, at least as of right now. So far. It's early. Don't speak too soon. I know. It's very early. <laughs> uh, jokes aside, it was a really weird week and a really wild week out there in Toronto. A lot of tension, a lot of buzz. I mean, first card of the year. It's always one of those things where like, I feel like the first card of the year almost like sets the tone for the year, right? Like I always think back to Robbie Lawler, Carlos Condit going out there in 2016 and just kind of letting everybody know like, oh, this is going to be like a really bad shit year. I don't know what that means about 2024, considering the event we just watched on Saturday. Uh, not the most inspiring, but I do wonder for you, AK. I mean, you were in the building. Obviously, it's a Canada event. There are a lot of Canadians on this card. Night didn't really go well for Canada. Oh, man. We spoke about it on the post show, but you do an all anti-Canada parlay. You would have owned seven houses by now. <laughs> Did we just watch the night Canada MMA died or at Brother. least like this era of it? Well, that was rough. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't want to rehash all the stuff with uh, Sean Strickland and Dana White and myself and uh, and the great John Pollock. By the way, shout out to John Pollock. I think asked some great questions Saturday's uh, post fight press conference. So, for sure, the other takeaway from the weekend for me was, man, watching the men's Canadian fighters just go down one by one and in grueling fashion too. In grueling fashion, uh, like yeah, heartbreaking uh, fashion. Really rough. Really rough. Some of them I think were expected. I saw a lot of people picking Malcolm Gordon to win, like to open the night on a good note. And I'm like. I'm not sure why. I was very sure Jimmy Flick was going to submit him, and sure, like that was one of my probably would have been one of my locks of the night. Jimmy Flick by submission. Um, I think I bet it too. Sorry, Malcolm. Oh no, I bet on Flywood unders. Jed, they're back. Uh, the oh, I tried a Canadian parlay. Two another this year, baby. They're back. <laughs> I tried a Canadian parlay, and I think uh, City was the second leg. It was only four fighters. City was second leg, so that went out the window right away. Great fight, by the way, City and uh, Ramon Tavares. But uh, right at that point. You were you, you were kind of getting a sense. Ooh, this is this is this is getting a bit is getting a bit awkward. Um, not that again. The first two guys who fought, Malcolm Gordon, Johan Lanus, or Surrey City, were like massive favorites. But you would have thought one of the men would have won, both the women and one of the men, and then we would have been rolling. And just from there, it just kept getting worse and worse. Split decisions, just upsets. Gar- Garrett Armfield taking out the ultimate fighter, Brad Katona. And the crowd, God bless them, they, they were doing their best, guys. Uh, if you watch the show, the crowd was doing their best in it, but they, they, they had to, you could feel the energy dropping and dropping and dropping. And uh, it, it was not the great return to Ontario MMA that we had hoped for. I, I had the privilege of talking to uh, Minister Neil Lumsden, who's um, uh, heading up a new council, which is trying to sort of, again, revitalize uh, MMA in the province, not just with the UFC, but at the grassroots level, because we have no amateur scene here anymore. We have no minor league scene, nothing. We have nothing in Ontario. So hopefully that'll be starting. But uh, if this night was supposed to spark a new generation of uh, young Canadian men and women, frankly, I mean, God bless John Robertson and Jasmine for pulling out those wins, but it was not the most inspiring night. But we we persevere, my friends. We persevere. AK, I haven't even asked you, like, mm-hmm. either personally or professionally, how do we feel about Brad Katona's loss? Because on the one hand, this man can't seem to win fights that aren't in the tough house. But uh-huh. on the other hand, 
This loss puts him one step closer to becoming a three-time <laughs> Ultimate Fighter champion. Oh, so no. what's how do we weigh these two these two competing ideas? First of all, Garrett Armfield is no schlub. All right, I know Katona was a pretty decent favorite. Garrett Armfield is no schlub. Mike he's, called that. Yeah. Mike called that on the. On he's the a good fighter. Show. Garrett Armfield is a good fighter. This was not like a shocking, shocking upset. Just based on name value, I think Brad was one of the bigger, you know. So, Canadian so we're clear, but... the last time he got cut, he lost to Marab and Hunter Azure. Yeah. Marab, obviously a great fighter, and Hunter Azure is no schlub. So he's halfway to getting cut one more time. Don't say that. Brad, Brad will bounce back. Maybe he'll start finishing people. Maybe he'll finish someone. That would be nice. Uh, so what a terrible thing to say. As much as I love the ultimate fighter, I don't think any man <laughs> wants the designation of being the ultimate, <laughs> ultimate, ultimate, ultimate fighter. Actually, that sounds pretty cool. The three I, ultimates. Three that ultimates. does sound you know pretty what? cool. I'm back on. Jed, good point. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we're we've been talking about this card now. What four or five minutes? I think Jed, you mentioned Drickus Duplessis once in passing, and that's about it. And it's weird because that's like ultimately that's the biggest takeaway from all of this, right? Is we have this new middleweight champion. So let's talk about middleweight. This division has just been a division of utter chaos, and I think that still remains, right? Like ever since Alex Pereira, Harry Pottered himself into this mix in November 2022. This division has just been totally off the rails, remains that way. Nothing has changed in that. Everything has changed. We are now four straight title fights where the belt switches hands, and this time it's Strickus up there. He is, of course, our number one middleweight on the site right now. Should have had eight first place votes. He didn't end up with eight. One of them went to Johnny Eblen. So seven out of eight. You can't help everybody. Uh, but he's still number one for us. There's also a top 10 pound for pound fighter in the world. Now he is number 10 to be exact. He rockets up there. He was number 19. So that's a big jump. And we're already here in the chatter. UFC 300. Israel Adesanya. Hamza Chamayev is looming. Sean Strickland. Popular as ever. So I ask you, Mike. I want to go to you first. This division has just been bad shit for two years now is this the man to bring balance to the force is this the man to 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 bring stability to what this is i mean at this point after us getting to know drinkus duplessy i don't think the word stability connects perfectly with a guy like drinkus duplessy so maybe i don't know it's so interesting because i've gone back and watched this fight and it is a fascinating rewatch. If you haven't done it, I highly recommend you go back and rewatch Strix Duplessis versus Sean Strickland. Yes, I still scored it for DDP in the rewatch, but this might be the closest fight I've ever watched. Outside of maybe Volkanovski oh. Holloway 2, I think this is the closest fight I've seen since then. Where, I mean, there's just inches. And I talked, I was talking to Laura Sanko earlier this week about this fight, and I brought up what Jed said on the post-fight show where the biggest takeaway for Jed was just punch people really, really hard. And that to her was the difference in why he won this fight. So it's in the court plan. of public, in the court of public opinion, the optics, man. Yeah. In the court of public opinion, Sean Strickland is not only the middleweight champion, he's the greatest fighter in the history of the sport. I mean, the amount of robbery talk that is hmm. going on right now for a fight this close is just absurd to me. And you mentioned just some of the names coming. Like I would love to see Sean Strickland running back with Dirk is I think it's a fascinating Time in the in the division and a fascinating rematch. Not right now, but I would like to see it at some point. DDP and Izzy with all the heat, like a fired up Israel Adesanya with a huge chip on his shoulder. That's interesting. I don't know where I'm going with that. Like I bet Jed's going to pick DDP very very confidently, but 
I don't know. By the time we get to the fight, like, I don't know. And then Hamza Chemaev is the biggest wild card of all. And we're not even mentioning some of the other absolute savages on the way up. The Ikram Alaskarovs of the world, the Brennan Allens, like all these guys, like when they get to the, to the peak of their powers are stylistically like really could be tough matchups for Drew Duplessis. So not even mentioning Jared Cannonier who yeah, beat which is like a year so ago. Funny. We're, we're never going to mention Jared Cannonier. Yeah, AK and I were talking about that about on the next one. I'm like, we never mentioned Cannoneer's name, and it makes me feel bad. Like, every, like don't six feel bad. hours after each thing, but don't, don't feel bad. He had no. a shot at the title, and he authored one of the most boring fights I've ever seen. Yeah, ne- never put him in a title fight again. <laughs> Stability, no. I I don't know. Could I mean? Would I be surprised if he ran off like five, six title defenses in a row? No. I just am not confident enough to say that right now because stability in the middleweight division just are not do not go hand in hand right now. Jed, you're a gambler. I've been known to dabble. Yeah, you're you're okay, decent <laughs> at it. Hits and misses. If I give you 0.5 title defenses successfully for Drigas Duplessis, what are you putting your life savings on? Oh, I'm taking the over on that. So I wrote about this this week. I think at least he gets one. Um, I wouldn't bet my life savings on that, but like I wrote about it this week and the way I explained it was at this point in time, I would favor him over everyone at 185. I wouldn't have him as more than like a minus 200 favorite over anyone. Like he, I, I think he is worthy of being the favorite in any fight that he takes because of what we've seen from him. Even Hamza, because well, I mean, we've we have seen him go five hard rounds or whatever, and he is a physical force. And we have really never seen Hamza fight another just like brute strength human being. And a lot of Hamza's game, there's a bunch of technical brilliance, but a lot of it's just hossing people around. If he can't do that, I don't, I don't know how it's going to go for him. So I would favor him over Hamza. I'd favor him over anyone, but I wouldn't favor him by a lot over anyone. It wouldn't shock me if he fights Israel Adesanya, and the one, the reason I'm excited about that fight is it's going to make Izzy be fun because I think people have a very different idea of who Izzy is as a fighter because he, on the come up, got to fight some really fun dudes. Once he was a champion, we got to see him fight not fun dudes because he is like Anderson before him. He is just going to wait to counter. And if you are not going to give him something to counter on because you don't want to get knocked out, then that fight's going to be boring. And he's going to stand there and he's going to kick your foot for 25 minutes and he'll be comfortable doing that and taking these boring-ass wins like he did over Jared Cannonier, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're going to be like Paulo Costa and get up in his face, then he'll fire back. And Drigas Duplessis excels at making people fight stupid. <laughs> like, the entire book on Sean it's Strickland. It's a real it's, skill. It's an incredibly relevant skill. And the entire book on Sean Strickland is, look, he is an extremely measured and patient fighter, and he is going to do what Sean Strickland does every single time out, and it's going to be the jab. He's going to check those low kicks. He's going to pressure forward. And DDP got Sean Strickland backing up, and he got Sean Strickland taking these wild, haymaker, ridiculous swings in there. There's an image going around. I don't remember who posted it, so I'm sorry about that, on Twitter, where DDP ends up headbutting Sean Strickland in the ass because of the way that the two of them are throwing these just insane looping hooks. And you look at that, and you look at every other fight Sean Strickland's had, and you're like, yeah, Drickus is winning right now by making you do this. He could absolutely make Izzy do that. And then, like, Izzy hits hard. Maybe Izzy knocks him out. Also, 
that's you're you're willingly engaging in the battle that Drickus was forged in. That is the fire of his life right there. And so I I, like I said, pick him over anyone. I'm super excited to watch however long this title reign goes because I've comped him to this in the post show. He's a little Yoel Romero-y, and Yoel Romero, I think anyone who's watched or listened to us for years on end knows how much I loved Yoel Romero. He is tactically brilliant, not mechanically excellent, but a, a demon physically, and th that combination makes for a really fun fighter. Drickus is that only also will do stuff, whereas Yoel won't for a lot of fights. So I'm going to pick him to beat Izzy if that fight happens, but... I won't be stunned if it if it goes the other way. But like I said, I, I've got to take over half. See, it's so situational for me right now because I, I think I would definitely pick him to beat Izzy right now. And also, like, I just kind of like if middleweight became such a slog at some point during the Izzy reign because it was just a such a repeated series of like very, very draggy, boring title fights. That just doesn't feel like it's possible. If Drickus is going to be our champion for the no exact chance. reasons you you said, yeah, like like who's going to make him boring? He's going to make everybody fun for the most part. So like part of me wants this to continue as long as it can, just to see how weird and wacky we can get. But I just have that sneaky feeling that if Hanzo gets it, which I don't think he will, but if Hanzo gets it, it, just that's that inevitability, right? He's Thanos, and we've just been waiting for it. Ak, what do you think? Over or under half. Yeah, I'm taking the over like Jed again. It's a pretty, it's half. I think you have to take the over. And I'm with you also, Shaheen, in that I just, it's also because I don't think Hamza's getting the next shot. Um, uh, unlike Jed, I would not favor Drickus over Hamza. And I don't think the odds would either. I think Hamza's name is still oh. so hot. I think Hamza would be a betting favorite over oh, okay, anyone okay, right. in the weight you class. Just, this is true. I, yes. I personally would not, but I think the market right. would set Hamza as a betting yeah. favorite over and, anyone and at 185. And I'm with the market. I've been, I've been a big Hamza uh, pusher, if that's just lack of a better term. I think I have him as high as like nine in my pound for pound rankings. I don't know if that's the highest amongst the panelists, but that's just every time I see him fight, I just feel like this is the best guy. No one can beat him. So but I don't think he's next. So outside of that, I do like DDP against uh, Izzy. I do like DDP in a Strickland rematch. I do like him over uh, Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa gets a title fight. So that fight would be so damn fun. That'd be a great fight, right? So it'll be so fun. There's a lot of guys can be here. Brandon oh Allen maybe sneaks I've in there. I've never thought of that fight until right now. Yeah. And now I need it. We, we have to get that for the title or not. DDP and Paulo Costa just, have to fight each other just someday. Just two I mean, idiots hitting each other. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> best. But yeah, his, his gift of making people fight his style, as dumb as that style is, is a mark of many great champions, right? That's that, When we talk about champs, their ability to control a fight and control tempo, it's, they, they make their opponent fight their fight. Usually we mean it in a complimentary way, like, like Jed, you said, with Izzy or with Anderson, like, oh, they draw them into a counter battle, a tactical battle, uh, a battle that they're, they're not as equipped to win as, as the guy holding the belt. Uh, DDP is, again... The same thing draws them into a fight, but draws them into this kind of inexplicable uh, back and forth weirdness that that he is very good at, that he knows how to win. Almost didn't work out for him on Saturday, but again, he was facing a very tough opponent uh, who also, I think, has kind of a tricky style. So uh, I do take the over. And again, just running down the list, you guys, you have guys coming up. Uh, if you want to, you know, go down the Bo Nickel, Joe Piper, Kyle Bahalio train, but they're not getting the title shot next either. And if they ever, if they're to beat him, it's going to be further down the road so i don't know if he's bringing stability i don't know if anyone can do that just yet but i think that's what makes this division fun as i think we see a lot this time next year we see a lot of permutations of where these where he and where these contenders could go and that's a cool thing so i'm not quite ready to say that he brings uh stability can i ask you a question that's sort of a tale for all of you really just just for a topic 
because Hamzad has been sort of lurking over this conversation. Wouldn't stun me if he managed to get a title shot just without fighting again, but feels to me like you like Hamzat Sean Strickland is a fight that makes a ton of sense. That's the I would that's, that's the fight I'd sort of be if you're not gonna one. give Hamzat if you're not gonna give Hamzat the next title shot, do a four man tournament with these four yeah. guys. That feels like and that fight makes a ton of sense. And do it at three hundred. Yep. Like add fight. that to the add that to the swell because if anybody Pay Sean Strickland whatever this. you need to pay him to do that. Yeah, yeah, Sean Strickland is the second fight on the main card. Sean Strickland versus Hamzat Shemaev into the three title fights. Come on now, like and if because I assume they're going to do DDP versus Izzy. That's as three hundred as you can get. Like Arben Saruk and Charles Oliveira. That three hundred card even, suddenly card looks <laughs> insane. That three hundred card looks absolutely absurd if you throw those. Two I don't fights actually on. think you even do that. I still think you. I think you would bump it back because Sean. You got to have somebody that's going to bring some eyeballs to 301 because Leon Bilal ain't going to do it. So put put Sean on that so people buy that pay-per-view. Do you know, that's where you put Alex do you know? I think they can just punt it, man. I think they can uh, just punt it. But the, the point I was trying to get at, would all of you pick Hamza to beat Sean Strickland? Because I am I would, really not sure I'd pick Hamza to beat Sean Strickland. I think Sean is the hardest matchup for Hamza in the whole division. I think it's a really tough. Which is one. a crazy sentence that I didn't expect to ever say. Mm-hmm. If I, like I if this is part of if this is part of three hundred and Sean Strickland is like a ginormous underdog, I'm absolutely placing a bet on Sean Strickland, like without hesitation, because I think that fight. No, I, honestly, like whatever the line might be, like if Sean Strickland is plus two hundred or above, like I'm sla- I'm dropping the people's elbow on that number because I feel like that line should be closer. Because it's because just like you said, she stylistically. Couldn't you just see a visual of like whether that's three rounds or five rounds, just like late rounds, Hamza Shemaev exhausted and Sean Strickland just talking to him, marching forward with that one too. Like, couldn't you just see that so clearly in your head? I think three rounds, I'd I'd feel comfortable with Shemaev. Five rounds, it gets froggy. It's a little little interesting. So I is, I don't know. That's that's what I thought would happen with DDP. Um, even though we didn't know if DDP, like there was, you know, he had had the nasal surgery. So we we didn't have to necessarily sell this narrative that like DDP couldn't perform in the later rounds, but there was doubt for sure. Cause just cause he'd never done it. And there's the same doubt comes at. So that's what I thought would happen on Saturday. I did think Strickland would start pulling away in the later rounds. And I didn't see that again, credit to DDP for his wonky style. But I, I don't know if I'd be confident to say that he could do that again, comes out or even get there. So big Hamzat stand here, as far as his in cage abilities go. Um, I'd, I'd be comfortable picking uh, Shemaev to beat him. Uh, not, uh, Strickland win would not shock me, but I'm comfortably on the um, Shemaev, you know, minus 300, 400, 500. I'm down for all that. Interesting. Honestly, it, it's, it's funny to me because like, this goes back to really my main takeaway from all of this. Because we, as we've sitting here talking about like almost like fantasy matchmaking over all these different permutations that are now available to us at the top of 185. I've been thinking about this a lot, a lot over the past few days because one word... All of us have said over the last 20 minutes, which is fun. We just keep saying the word fun when it comes to 185. Mike and AK, I'm so glad that we have both of you here today because this is your beat, guys. (laughs) Like you established this beat, the middleweighty middleweight title. Not long ago, we would have put middleweight right up there with the worst divisions in the sport. It was a meme. It was a joke. We We were making fun of it consistently on shows. And things looked pretty like bleak for a while. We go, we, we said it, we go back to the Izzy title reign. There was just a lot of not fun stuff happening. 
I don't know, man. All of this now is just so damn fun. Like all of this chaos, this parody, the characters, the reality that it seems like anyone can beat anyone on a given night within this top mix. Like middleweight's not only alive, it feels like it's thriving right now. So I, I want you fellas, this is a little something fun that I want to do because in the spirit of the ranking show, rank this for me. Because I put together my own little tiers list here and I was surprised at how high middleweight ranked. Where is men's 185 right now among the best and most fun divisions in the sport? Because okay, I'll tell you, spoiler for me, it's it's really high. I'll really I'll go first. Uh, the conversation we had, I will say the top 20, top 25, the contender picture and potential contender picture is maybe better than it's ever been. Again, we just named a bunch of guys. And, and again, when you have the Joe Pfeiffer's and the Kyle Bahayos and the Bo Nichols coming up, it really feels like a nice there's a nice uh, what a landscape, a nice middleweight landscape that we're looking at right now. Like you could project this, 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 the top 20, top 25 to be like produce interesting matchups for the next 18 months. And that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. in especially in today's day and age where there's an event every friggin' weekend to say a, a, a division will thrive for that long. I might be being too bold, to be honest. I, I feel, I'm sure there's people out there going like, that's a lot to ask. That's a lot. I'm really projecting that, you know, these got prospects will, these prspect contenders will pan out, that these champions are going to continue to put on entertaining fights. I don't and know. UFC, well, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like you're taking a big leap to say, <sighs> it doesn't feel like you're taking a big leap to say guys like a Bo Nickel or a, mm-hmm. a Joe Pfeiffer or a Ikram Alaskarov are going to pan sure. out. Like we've seen, Everything we've seen of these dudes yeah. look like they're pretty legit. But that middleweight middle, middleweight element still stands. It's the lower tier I'm worried about, even slightly. And I'm not including the guys in lower tier, but I'm saying we just saw Chris Curtis and Mark Andre Barrio, and those are two guys who I think are good middleweights engaged in a pretty middleweighty battle. Not as bad as I think the fan reception, you know, that 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 uh, that was given to it, but it was kind of middleweighty. And and we I think we had said in the previous show. That, that was a very distinct possibility and then you go down and like as long as you have guys bet like my soul that fight would be a middleweight fight yeah it it, it had this it had the, the, the stench of it and it certainly turned out that way but as long as we have guys like armin petrosian uh what are some of these names other names i had picked out here um yeah but i don't know i feel like there's the middle class in a lot Anders. of these divisions the middle class in a lot of these divisions is uninspiring you know i still see i disagree i I think when you get like, like, like we say lightweight is the best. I know we shouldn't compare it to lightweight, lightweight, like one to 60, no, yeah. you're getting like bangers in there. Featherweight one to six, one to 40, you know, you're getting bangers in there. Middleweight still has too many, like that middle chunk is too middleweighty for me to put it anywhere in like the top five. I don't know if that's where you landed it. So there you go. That's why I don't have an exact list. So I'll say outside the top five, probably outside the top six for me. So Shane, I'd love to hear uh, where, where, how high you went with it. Wow. What? Mike is apoplectic. That is, that is an insane take. Outside the top six? Yes. Oh, I'm freaking yeah. with AK, but I want to hear right I want to hear Mike Mike attack his best friend. This is number this is the number three division in the sport right now. Mm, in I the UFC. I can't lightweight. Go right. That's yeah. an oh, Mike, let's do this. Let's do this. Lightweight. You know what? I'll even say this. You can make a very compelling case right now that it is number two behind lightweight. Lightweight is number one. Bantamweight is two. It's deep. But can you name the outside Sean O'Malley is the champion and certainly Sean O'Malley can headline pay-per-views. But if Sean O'Malley loses that belt, not one of those guys is headlining a pay-per-view when there's about six or seven dudes who in the next year could be headlining UFC pay-per-views at middleweight. Middleweight is going to be the most fascinating division in the UFC this entire year. And it's not as great as lightweight is. It is not going to be as fascinating as middleweight because of the star power, because you got Izzy coming back. Shaheen, 
we have been putting this out into the universe that we are about we are about to live in this world that we put out there that now DDP is the champion. It's come together. Israel Adesanya totally is together. chasing him. Sean Strickland is the freaking Nate Diaz of the middleweight division and of current UFC fighters. Sean Strickland, in my eyes, clearly lost that fight to DDP as close as it was. But he still won. He may have lost the belt, but he still won. He's pop, more popular than ever. Everybody loves this guy. He lost nothing but a title. He's actually gained in superstardom. So he's going to be there. And then you mentioned Paulo Costa, who no one's even talking about right now, and Rob Whitaker. Yes, we're not mentioning Jared Kinnear, but no offense. It's for pretty good reason. And then you mentioned like some of these other names that are on the come up. I'm telling you, I think right now, this is going to be the division that has the most spotlight on it. And... I won't have it jump bantamweight just yet. This might even be the biggest money division in the UFC in 2024. And that includes lightweight. It's a super fun division. It is. I always had featherweight as number three for a long time. And I still think featherweight is still underrated because of the depth of that division. I think middleweight's better right now. And what a difference a year makes. It's crazy. This is, I love this. I love I this take. No, I love the take. I don't agree. Even Top close. six. AK, I tell me, tell me what's. Hold on, hold on a second, AK, and you can jump in yeah. this too, Jed, because I can't wait yeah. to hear it. Because I feel like she, Shaheen, and I are on the same gosh darn wavelength right now. Oh, I'm gosh. right with you, Mike. Dude, oh, this is repulsive. I, I, AK, I should, I'm guessing you have bantamweight, lightweight. Please That's, name me three other divisions that are better than middleweight and more compelling quality, than middleweight right now. Like quality of fights. And just more compelling just overall. Power. I don't care about just star power. Just, the fights have no, to be good. On. And death too. Bo Nickel's like the 39th ranked middleweight in the world yeah. right now. There's more to it. It's it's depth. It's the next generation. It's star power. It's storylines. It's narratives. It's just all of it along with fight quality. And it's like exactly what Mike said. Like who can headline what? Middleweight's like this, the division of stars right now. Like that's an getting, actual real real thing to say. No, I no, no. Think, I, I did. It's so not lightweight bantamweight S tier. That's my tier list. Lightweight bantamweight S tier okay. A tier featherweight and then middleweight middleweight's number four for me. I love, I still love featherweight. I've still really rock with featherweight, but like middleweight's the better than everything else outside of those three to me. This is wild. I mean, I there think... are so many bad middleweight fights that we're going to see this year. I don't know. And again, you said about any division. I understand. It's not, it's not fair to single out middleweight for that. Every, every fight has stinkers. I mean, we have what 900 contender series fights coming up in the next six months. So I respect to all those people. Some of those fights tend to blend together and not be memorable. Uh, and that's across divisions. I, I understand. I understand. But I just, Middleweight stands out so much for its blandness outside of the names you mentioned. And, and maybe I should focus more outside on the of the cool stuff. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I just, the average fights are so bad. They're bad. Okay. Okay. We you made this happen. We introduced the middleweight right. middleweight title. You guys did we, this. We, we sparked a revolution. We yes. sparked change within this division. Are there yes. still going to be guys vying for the middleweighty middleweight title? Of course. Look at the success Brendan Allen has had since becoming the middleweight middleweighty middleweight champion. A title I you never think gave Chris him. Curtis was thinking about that Saturday night as he was middleweighting his way to a victory For over Mark Andre Barrio. <laughs> I never gave my best friend, this, you and I have been at odds on this. I have never gave Brendan Allen that title. It was reti- It was almost retired for me, essentially, with uh, Christoph Jocko, the Marc-Andre Barrio after Saturday. I tell you, he may be, in, even in defeat, 
has Navy taken the title? But no, Marvin Vittori owns the middleweighty middleweight title. Now that he's no longer in title, it's yeah, but, oh, yeah but now that he's on the downslope, so yes. he can just assume the the throne there. More than fair. But I, but Jet, before you go off, because I, uh, I you, you can you can definitely uh, punctuate this more probably. I'll say divisions. I'd rather watch like just watch and more and talk about more. And you guys say I'm crazy. But like, I love strawweight. I think strawweight is so good right now. It's one of the most reliable, like B tier. It's a solid B tier division. I just think if we're talking about entertainment value at the top, it's a little shaky, but Tatiana's going to come back. I think she's going to be a great champion. Um, other than that, as I get outside of her, there's not super compelling matches, but I think Tatiana doing her thing or, or Zhang Willy or Zhang beats her or Zhang beats her, but I need to see that fight. That's one of the most high anticipated fights. It maybe doesn't have the depth of name power of middleweight, but the fights have been so consistently good. And the division moves. Uh, it's unfortunate that they, I don't know why they put Zhang on the shelf for whatever the last half of friggin' 2024. But other than that, the division moves, and I like that. And middleweight's getting is, has that too. So I, I get why you guys love it. But I, for now, I put strawweight above it. I definitely put featherweight above it. <sighs> welterweight's Strow- a little tricky because the top of welterweight is so oh, like. I was gonna say we're yeah, not so going there. You, I, was, I, I can't even sell it above it. I'm kicking you off this podcast. Yeah, I can't even sell it. I can't even. Sell All right, it. then kick me off the podcast because here's where I'll hot tag in. I understand your arguments, and I think they're defensible, Shaheen and Mike. I also am probably a little closer to AK here. I feel lightweight and bantamweight are just stone better. I don't have any any question. The only knock on bantamweight is what the title picture will look like for the next year because Sean Strickland might – not Sean Strickland, sorry, Sean O'Malley, too many Seans now. He might just screw it all up. Right? Like he's, he's fighting Cheeto Vera, who doesn't really deserve this title shot. And then, like that—that's a, a clear downstroke on it. But the rest of it, you go to the top forty dudes, you're getting a good fight. I think we're very excited about the star power and uh, of the top of middleweight. But uh, you get outside of the top ten interesting dudes, and if those fights are going to get real bad real quick. Lightweight, bantamweight, absolutely ahead for me. Welterweight, I'm—I have absolutely—I'm no, confident placing that as a better division. Yes, it's headlined by Leon Edwards, and we're about to get Leon Edwards as Bilal Muhammad. The the best boring fight you're ever going to see for a title, like just a terrific matchup <laughs> that no one cares about. But we've got a bunch of, and the top is maybe a little squatty. I'm not killing Colby Covington. That dude's just gone. We've got a lot of young, exciting dudes coming up. We've got Ian Gary. We've got Jack Della Maddalena. Uh, Hanat Fakratinov has come in. Like well, there are dudes coming up in this, and there's we're getting the mix of of Michael Venom Page coming over, which maybe is fun, maybe he sucks. I just think that's a compelling division, and the fights are much better than middleweight, top to bottom. There, those are the three I am confident in putting ahead of middleweight. That's crazy I, to me. I also feel decent about though i recognize this this is certainly a more of a hot takey corner uh in putting women's 125 above it women's yeah, flyweight right now is just sick so like it's, it's super fun we've got a ton of young talent coming into it if you look at up, up and down like I, over at strawweight i i see the issues with strawweight that you noted ak and that, that i would put strawweight beneath 185 for me um because there's too many hangers on there's not enough young talent i think women's flyweight is sick and so I feel decent about putting that. I don't have any issue putting middleweight above featherweight right now. I think featherweight is in a bit of a down period just because all of the names largely are old hat by now. And we're, we just don't have the the churn of good young people coming in, but you guys also forgot the most important counter to middleweight. 
Flyweight unders are back, baby. Every fight at 125 is a banger this year. For 2024, it's bangers on bangers on bangers. Like, obviously, if you say I can watch a 185 fight, I don't know who they are, but I get to choose between in the dark watching a middleweight fight or a flyweight fight. I'm taking 125 all day long. And so that means in my rankings, conveniently, I have middleweight smack dab in the middle of the 11 weight class is at number six because it is the middle there's only one flyway fight this year how can you say that we, there have been well look we're not ah! counting when they miss weight we're not counting when they miss weight okay sometimes oh, but, that happens. oh but if that fight went two and a half rounds i think we probably would have used that as an excuse on thursday No, because the bet's not? already in we make the bet before before the weigh-in day so the bet's already in but it's i'm not just saying flyweight unders is your argument I, let me ask you right now you do not get to know the names in it i am just telling you on this fight card on on the prelims of this fight card there is a 125 fight or a middleweight fight, and you can only watch one, and you do not know the competitors. Which one are you choosing? Flyweight, but I don't know that that's representative of what we're talking about. Because all the middleweight fights are on the main card. We're talking about middleweight doesn't do the prelims. Yeah, that's why. I like Jed. I like, it's too good for it. I like yeah, the setup. Like, Jed, that's I, a great I, point. No, no, that's a great point, Mike. If a middleweight fight's on the prelims, there's a reason it's on the prelims. Like you know what you're about to watch. I, Jed, I like the setup. I think it's a it's a very good way of framing it. I, but I think that the broader way of saying it is the 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 floor the floor of middleweight is so much worse. I think that's that's essentially what your question is, says. The floor is, is so bad. The core of the earth. Yeah. And that's still <laughs> middleweight is above yeah. heavyweight and light heavyweight, <laughs> and that's it. The floor. Jed, those are the only two. Oh well, we can talk about women's yeah. bantamweight later. We don't need to start that conversation. But like women's bantamweight, oh, we'll talk about light it. heavyweight, heavyweight. <laughs> those are the three basements that uh -huh. you can have for a fight oh, and then yeah. middleweights right there after them jet don't you uh, host a great gambling podcast called no bets barred sure so do. We get, get that plug in there so i wish get that plug in there yeah okay that's, that's it. great <laughs> all this year i'm just going to be saying heavyweight overs and flyweight unders baby they're back <laughs> the, uh, the shaheen the bald brethren strikes again my friend i mean what can i say Every, I was kind of fine with most of the things you were saying, because if you have middleweight six, I have it four. That's not a big distinction. There's one thing that you said wrong that I just can't fathom. Look at my tier list, right? Here's my tier list. This is the correct tier list. Okay. S tier, lightweight, bantamweight, in that order. A tier, featherweight, middleweight, flyweight, because I agree. Flyweight's great. Flyweight's the most fun it's ever been right now. B tier, strawweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight, women's flyweight. C tier, welterweight welterweight is atrocious man welterweight like if you if you guarantee me a, a welterweight fight on a card and i don't know the names i'm not picking that at all whoa that feels like a hot take to me I don't, I don't know about that nah man welterweight is not fun right now it's a bunch of old dudes who are not enjoyable to watch and then like a couple young guys who are like really fun to watch but are just not getting the opportunities yet i think that's where we're having our biggest like biggest yeah. divide here is yeah if you look at the top six, that's probably true. Like the two, like middleweights just had so much turnover in the last year that it's much more fun than a division where Gilbert Burns and Colby Covington are still like at the top of it. If you get outside of the top 12, like I'm give me welterweight any day of the week. Definitely compared to middleweight. Yeah. Did you, hold on. Did, did you see the social media reaction to Anthony Hernandez now fighting Roman Kopulov? People went freaking bananas for that fight announcement. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's not only because I report, it's not because we reported it. Like we, you know, we get tagged in like some of these other sites that are like, 
hey, this is what's reported by Mike and Damon. And just overwhelming positivity to that matchmaking. And those are top 25 guys fighting each other. Like, we were supposed to get Anthony Hernandez versus Ikram Alaskarov. Basically, like, the, the next wave of guys. Like, Hernandez is super fun. Super fun. He is not middleweighty middleweight at all. Neither is Roman Kopilov. So, like, I, I think you're... I think we're downgrading the depth of middleweight. I think it's better than you're giving it credence for. Steven Thompson could fight anybody right now. He's like one in four in his last five. If Steven Thompson beats anybody ranked right now, we're going to be saying he's a win away from a title fight. You're not getting that at middleweight with a lot of these guys who are like one in four in their last five, unless maybe it's Izzy. But Steven Thompson, at four, just about 41 years of age, is never out of the title discussion in this division. So that's like the point. We don't really have a lot of that in middleweight, but welterweight's right there. Anybody can get a freaking title shot at welterweight as long as you just win one fight. Mike, was it you that had to respond to someone saying like Kapalov is, I don't know if it was you, someone retweeted or quote tweeted, someone was saying like Kapalov is like the best middleweight out there right now or something. I don't know where I saw this. And then that's how that's that's how big Kapalov mania is right now is like, I think he's getting a, I mean, he, he deserves it. What, three straight knockouts or something? But like, I think four. They're, they're, we're not saying I don't think we're saying there's zero intrigue in the middleweight division. There's just certainly not right in the middle, but there's just uh, and again just having welterweight ahead of it is insane. Having it's welterweight ahead of it is insane. The top of the, middle, the, the of, last of welterweight fight was one of the worst fights I had seen in 2023, and the next welterweight <laughs> fight is going to be atrocious. Like, what are we talking about? What, what was the last one that happened? I don't. I got you. Title fight, like title fight. I meant. If we're talking title fights, then obviously welterweights at the very, if we're just like, that's the primary standard bearer of the division, right? But like that's, then, the, that's the biggest hold on. factor. Again, and that, I, it's not like Strickland. I, I hold on. It's not like Strickland. Thing, yeah. it's, wait, wait, Strickland wait, 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 DDP was not a good fight. No, no, that was good. That was good. But it's not it like fun. Strickland. It was good. That was a good fight. It's not like Strickland Izzy was a banger. Um, and then we can bring in the Alex Pereira fights, which are fantastic, no question. But Alex Pereira is not in the division anymore. And then you have the Jared Cannonier fights, the second Robert Whitaker. Like, if we're talking like just, and, and I guess we want to talk about prospective title fights, that's fine. But until those happen, I feel like we're, we can't give them like points for like, oh, this was like an amazing. We don't know if those are going to be amazing fights. You can certainly project, but like, if we're talking about title fights, it's not like middleweight has been, it's not like Izzy's reign was marked with all time classic title fights. Hold on a right? second. But we're not in that Jed anymore. Jed, I have a question for you, my friend. I have a sure. question for you. Because you went on just an epic, epic rant. And, and you even swung Shaheen in a lot of respects about Priscilla Cachuera. How it is important to have a get or get God all-star as is. part of your division and on the roster. While middleweight has middleweighty middleweight champions, if you look up and down this roster, the amount of get or get God all-stars in this middleweight division far extends probably any other division in the sport. And we start with like the Andre Petroskis and the Gerald Mearsharts. We get the Iron Turtle. There's no Iron Turtle at 170 pounds. We got Preach. guys like we got guys like Dustin Stoltzfus, who is incredible at getter get got. Puna Soriano gets her get got. Brian Barberina gets her get got. Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Treshawn Gore gets her get got incredibly well. Cody Brundage is slamming people on his head and getting knocked out three weeks earlier. Whoa. Jamie Pickett is a get or get God all-star. Val Woodburn is going to be a get or get God all-star forever. And let's not, <laughs> let's not forget oh, some of these other Chidi and Jokowani. So good in that role. There are so many for every, for every Eric Anders, there's a Hidalfo Vieta and an Abus Magomedov. Like there's, there's so many of these. Two so things, many. 
Two things. A lot of those guys you named also and have Julian their Marquez, fair... who might be the president of the Getter Gate God All Stars. Two things. A lot of those guys you named also have their fair share share of just god awful stinkers. They are not like for sure fire bangers. Let's not rewrite mm. history here. A lot of those names I don't you know, mentioned. Dude. You're I only remembering. No, 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 no. Look, only, Cody, Cody Brundage might have been a bridge too far. I'll give you that. Reason, <laughs> yeah. This is the reason why we're talking about those. This, this is like me saying like Roman Kopolov is like a, a straight up killer. It's like you watch his two, first two fights. They were horrible and they're horrible for him. But I get it. We have to take the whole picture. And also, you, how dare you claim Brian Barberena? He is a welterweight or at least has historically been. If he's a middleweight going forward, fine. He but said you he don't get to claim one middleweight he's a fight. Middleweight right now, baby. <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? Let me let me make two final statements sort of on this matter that are somewhat contradictory. The first <laughs> is I just think that y'all are not again i i had a number six and that was not a con like it was you three of them that i'm very confident above which i think most people agree in that broadly but like i'm i'm open to moving it a little higher or a little lower on that list uh i think y'all are thinking a lot about the main event and a lot less about the chris curtis burial those are the two sides of middleweight right there and one of them isn't particularly good but i will say this You've convinced me somewhat with your arguments, less so that you've convinced me than I went on to tapology. And uh, middleweight and welterweight are pretty much dead ass even as far as I'm looking at like top 40 guys. Like, uh, there are a bunch of middleweights that I'm not pumped to watch, but also a lot of, a lot of welterweights. Like, Phil Rowe is a top 40 ish dude. This is I what I'm know, saying. Though. Well, I'm saying, but by the same thing, am I that stoked about Gerald Mearshart? Not really. Like, uh, not, he's not he's really. action, baby. He's action. Really? I, I give me any Gerald Mearshart fight. Come on, man. Not not really. I think Fabian Edwards. Like, am I that? Like, there's we're talking oh, about we're talking about pretty similar things. So I, I will <laughs> I will retract saying that I would confidently put welterweight above. I'm happy to drop welterweight into the same tier with middleweight women's 125. There we go. And just say definitively lightweight and bantamweight. I have that hundred percent are better. And then I would just have those, that kind of group of women's 125 welterweight, middleweight, flyweight, sort of all in the mix together. And however you want to rank them in that tier is fine with me. Yeah. I yeah, like this. I'll, I'll say quick that, uh, Maybe outside of top six was a little bit much, but I'm with Jed. I think six is high as I can go because for me it's definitely lightweight, bantamweight, featherweight, and probably strawweight and women's flyweight. So, or, or or even men's flyweight, but one of those two. So six six Derek to me Brunson, seems fair, but top, but top three top three is a bridge. We're talking no no. We're talking about UFC way. divisions. We're talking about UFC divisions. We're only, divisions. We're only talking count. UFC. Yeah. But top, yeah. but, uh, top but three is a bridge way too far. That does make it stronger. I will say, <laughs> if we're, if we're only yeah. discussing the UFC, because the PFL Ators uh, 185 is oof. it's Johnny no, Evelyn. We don't we don't have the there. most fun we thing. That's I just said PFL, and I'm like, there is no PFL. PFL Ator. <laughs> yeah, PFL Ator. That's right. Yeah. Either way, I think just to take away from all of this, middleweight is so much more fun than it was two years ago. Like by is, leaps and bounds. Oh, sorry, Gene. Let me say, and I love I'm sorry that. It is. I will say this. It is the best it's ever been. I think it's better than it was in the Anderson. I think it's better than it was in the Anderson Silva era. It is the I, best. I firmly ever disagree I will, with I this argument. I disagree with that, and I don't want to get derailed onto <laughs> that because I think the Anderson Chael we'll era was the Anderson Chael era was unbelievable, and also the post Anderson era where we had Weidman, Luke Rockhold, uh, Jacare, Romero, like all oh, of that was really fun as well. But middleweight is so much better than it's been for a while now, and I, that's really fun. And we're gonna take a quick break. 
because then we're going to say a lot of stuff on the other side. <laughs> uh, nice stuff. Or we won't. Or we won't say a lot of stuff. We'll just <laughs> pour one out. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, y'all, we are back. Kind of just ranking fun divisions right now. We just did a whole segment on middleweight. But if you if you listen to the tiers list, there was one in particular that got left out. I had said welterweight was a C tier division, was the lowest that I had mentioned. If I continue down my tier list, there's D. It's completely empty. There's nothing in D tier. And then there's F tier. And F tier is populated by one division. And you know which division I'm talking about. And God, it's so bad. It's it's so, so bad. The other half of UFC 297's marquee, women's bantamweight. We knew things were going to get dark in this division and just become worse and worse and worse. But this was the nadir, right? Like, we hit the nadir on Saturday. We hit the low point, right? Like, Raquel Pennington, perfectly fine fighter, UFC veteran, put in the time, UFC champion from now until the end of time. You can't take that away from her. When you mention her name, she's a UFC champion. Great. God bless but also not someone who's ever going to get confused with Justin Gaethje. And that's just where we are right now. So I've been thinking about like, how can we even talk about this division? How can we talk about this fight? So screw it. We're just going to do this. Women's bantamweight on January 24th, 2024. Is this the worst UFC division ever? Yes. (laughs) Whoa. Wow. wow. I did that? not see that coming. Who said that? That's AK who, who said, said that? that? Oh my God. Here, you coward. Who said that? Who said that? Wow. I thought someone else was going to pipe in first. Is this the worst division in UFC history? I think it has to be. And this is someone who's defense, who somewhat half seriously defends it. Uh, doesn't it have to be? Am I forgetting something? Uh, I, we, we've done, we, listen, we, I've done some prep before. I've got some names. I've got some eras and divisions to throw out there. 
Uh, but in my research, I don't think I could find a division that's objectively less star power, less consistently entertaining, bottom of the floor. Like if you take it again, we were talking about which which division has the, the, the lowest bottom. It is. I mean, it's got to be women's bantamweight by far. I mean, we have seen some. I think the Aldana Rosa fight had kind of had people going like, oh, yeah, maybe this division is so bad. Great fight. That is such the exception that proves the rule. And we have had some women's bantamweight stinkers or worse, like just completely forgettable. Like they're not even so bad. They're like talking about the other. Like, oh, remember that fight? How bad that was? But just like, like, I'm going to sound terrible here. Uh, I am a terrible person. We know that already. If you ask me, I to think we're name, all going to sound terrible on this segment. If I'm being okay, honest, yes, we'll try to have some positive. Wow, we'll I'm sound better than many, I think. If you told, if you told, if you told me to name five women's bantamweight fights from 2023, <laughs> and, and say, let's say, you know, and, and make harder, non-title, I'm not sure I could. Right now, oh, I'm not wow. sure I could. <laughs> I'm not going to try because again, I'm already, I'm already admitting failure. Again, non-title, I'm not sure I could. As you're speaking, well, I'm in my head trying to do it. Mm-hmm. It's I'm I'm struggling. Well, <laughs> in your defense, I will proffer this because I did a little research as we got into this, and you know that this has been a topic I've enjoyed delving yes. into over the years. There were 19 fights in women's bantamweight in 2023. What? So if you're asking to name five, you're already looking at a quarter of the fights that occurred <laughs> in the calendar year. If you're asking to name five, not including title fights. Then that's uh, it's getting a little bit more difficult because uh, you could obviously name the Amanda Nunes title fight against uh, Irene Aldana. So you've got eighteen. You had eighteen fights. That was the only title fight. Um, it's tough, tough, tough sledding out there. I mean, Aldana Hosa was really good, so we great. can name that one. Yeah, yeah. Aldana Hosa, uh, Melissa Dixon, Arena Alexeva. I can good. add to it too because that was a one of those compelling ass whoopings that doesn't leave your memory. Fireborn Silva, Holly good. Holm. There you go. No contest doesn't count. Fight never happened. Mike, your you pick. Should, I think you should take Also, this is being crowdsourced right now. This is not yeah. one person yeah, thinking no. of this. this I could have named. I, I could have named three, and I probably could get two more. But yeah, it, it's a tough scene, AK. So, in, but right. in your defense, okay, it, it's a hard question to answer. Uh, I'll just jump in with my sort of thoughts on this. Then, uh, I think if we are not counting uh, women's featherweight as a division which that would obviously be the worst division in the history of, of the UFC. I think by any measure that would be, if we are not counting, if we're only talking modern MMA, you know, the 2001 since Zufa took over, there are arguments that it is not the worst. I think it's pretty clearly the worst in context because Zufa takes over it's 2001 like the middleweight division's pretty rough going at that time not a lot of things that are happy the heavyweight division for most of Zufa's ownership like for the first several years was really really bad talking about Jeff Munson getting title shots yeah. you know I was, gonna say, like, was that year was that what you would put as the next worst yeah, 2000s uh, UFC heavyweight era. I'd probably go middleweight over heavyweight as I hmm. dug into it, just because like middleweight was really trash for for a hot minute there. Heavyweight, like there, people don't respect them to the level that they could. But Tim Sylvia should be a Hall of Famer. Andre Olovsky will be a Hall of Famer. Like those two dudes are better than what middleweight really had going on at that time. Realistically, their fights um, at that point in time, though, I will point out were god awful 
Largely, yeah. God but, awful. but sometimes it's fun to just watch like Andre Olavsky throw 87 combos on Cabbage Carrera and and blank him. Like that's 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 more fucking fun than what we got from 135 in the past two years. <laughs> so I think that there's an argument that one third women's 135 is not that certainly if you are factoring in entertainment. It is a, a powerful argument at that point in time because does anyone want to guess how many of the 19 Bantamweight fights in 2023 were decisions? E- oh 17. 16. 17. 14. So you guys were on the right side of guessing, but 14 <laughs> of 19 Jesus. fights were decisions. One no contest with my boy and Silva, and then four subs, zero knockouts occurred. It is. Zero knockouts. Zero uh, knockouts. Seriously? Zero knockouts, four I'm subs, one no contest, which okay. also was a sub on the evening of it. I I wonder if that is the first time that has ever happened, that a division has gone an entire year without <laughs> Almost a single KOTKO. Almost, Almost certainly. There's, a, there's no other world that could happen because you have to have a low enough number of fights for that to be real. And like women's featherweight was just Amanda Nunes or Chris Cyborg in it. So they were getting TKOs, you know, like it's, it's tough. So I think I'm that gonna, it's pretty clearly the worst thing. Jeff, um, I'm going to guess that not only the Aldana uh, host of fight one fight of the night. I don't, I don't know if you I didn't actually there, look into that, but I am guess, almost though. certain that that is true. Okay, yeah. I can safely tell you that. Yes, that is right. <laughs> I, I have I done no research. Uh, because you want to know some some more fun facts about about bonuses, AK. I'll, I'll drop a couple more facts before I exit my time here. Um, I I looked this up because I wanted to make sure I was right. Our new champion, Raquel Pennington, who I respect for the length and and depth of her career. Uh, this is her eleventh year in the UFC. Eighteen fights down after winning the belt, she owns one performance bonus. Just one. When she inevitably fights Juliana Pena for the title, uh, the two of them will have a combined 22 years in the UFC, 28 fights because Juliana Pena fights once a year for a decade. That's fun. And three performance bonuses between them. It's rough going out there. And that's, and the last thing I'll say, and this is the part where I will come off mean because everything else I've said has been fact. And so the facts aren't mean, facts are just facts. I think that there is a pretty compelling argument uh, that Raquel Pennington is uh, the worst fighter to hold a a title in UFC history. I would not say that that's definitive. Um, I think Nico Montano kind of holds that for me. I was going to say that's the name. I also also think that that belt is about as fraudulent as possible. And so maybe we should not like consider it, but Outside of her, here is the list of fighters that I th- that I think could be argued as worse than Raquel Pennington. Uh, Juliana Pena, obviously. <laughs> um, great that it's two women's bantamweights here. At least uh, she beat the champ. At least she beat the champ. At least she, she beat the champ. She did, but she is right. not right. a good fighter. Okay. Uh, Evan Tanner, who I liked a great deal, but a limited fighter. Uh, and Cody Garbrandt, who... I think obviously the Cody Garbrandt's peaks are extremely high. The number and, and breadth of the valleys in his career. I think that you can make a case that he's all like all things considered, not a great fighter. I'm shocked. You didn't mention Matt Sarah, but I guess just by beating GSP, he's exempt from the list. Matt Sarah had a quite like Matt Sarah had a better career than Juliana Pena's career and won a title legitimately better than Raquel Pennington. Yeah. Sorry. Better, better than Raquel Pennington's career. Like, Matt Sarah was a good fighter who should probably never have won the belt, but like was at least a good fighter. 
Raquel Pennington is a good fighter in the context of an awful weight class. And those are two wildly different things. Wow. I don't know if I could add anything on to what Jed said at all. I mean, I guess maybe ban maybe welterweight is worse than women's bantamweight. No, I'm just joking. I'm just going back to a callback to the last segment. Um, nice. well done. It's just really bad, man. If like the two, if the big takeaways from this title win are, boy, we need Amanda Nunes back. Like we don't even want her to enjoy her life outside of fighting. And on top of that, we want flyweights to move up to this division to save it. Yeah, that's not very good. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. <laughs> we do our rankings and the women's Bantamway page. We all have our own individual messages about it, like burn it down. Why are we doing this? What are we doing here? It's it's just bad, man. And like someone called it. The messages have evolved now, too, I will say. <laughs> like before it was all burn it down. Now it's people questioning their actual existence. <laughs> I, of all the things I'm proud of in this sport, this thing that no one else can see but us is maybe my favorite. Starting the burn the division to the ground movement is the best. <sighs> but like, here's the thing, too. Like people were calling it a heck of a morning and I was tr like talking about this exact same thing. And they were like, yeah, man, it's so simple. Like we can't have flyweights move it up to Bantamweight. Just scour the earth and bring in Bantamweights. Just put them on the ultimate fighter and bring them in on the contender series. I'm like, every time you yeah, really it think it's that freaking simple. You think it's, you think there's like 20 interesting women's Bantamweights just plotting around the regional scene across the globe ready for the contender series and the ultimate fighter half the fighters that get contracts on the contender series from good divisions aren't UFC ready. And now you want to just rip them in on the contender series. Like get the fuck out of here. It's a bad division. It's just really bad. There's no depth. No one wants to fight in these divisions. All the fun div divisions for the women are 25 and below. That's it. You want to make this compelling? I've been talking about this for a little while. Let's make the Bamther weight division. 135 and above, no higher than 146. Just do that. And then things get a little more interesting. We can bring in the Kayla Harrisons. There just are no 35ers. Plenty of 25ers, plenty of 45 and 55ers, but there's like 11 legitimate bantamweights on earth right now. 11 I'd seems like, high. And that might even be too high. Yeah. 11 definitely high. I'd like to uh, suggest an alternative because, you know, Mike, I've called for a women's heavyweight division for many years um, to solve this problem. I think instead of a banter, I think we, it should just be open weight. There's 115, there's 125. UFC should out of 105. I think they'll probably get around to doing that in the next few years. You have those three, and then it's open weight. And we don't weigh them. We just yeah. let them get rowdy, and it'll <laughs> be awesome. And whoever wants to fight in an open weight thing can do it, and it'll be yeah. sick. That's open weight. Idea immediately becomes one of the top three most compelling divisions in, in, in MMA. If they, if they announced tomorrow, <laughs> you'd be so stoked. You'd be like, what the hell? Is Gabby Garcia coming to the UFC? The hell's about to happen? I'm actually looking forward to every open weight women's... That, your question of if I could choose between uh, uh, not knowing the names <laughs> two women's overweight belt or like it's women's overweight over everything. I just wanted to... I have no idea who's going to be in it, what weight class they're going to... Yeah, I love it. I, I, let me speak with some optimism for a moment. Hold and on, then real I, quick. I have a question yeah, for you. Yeah. I have a question for you. In this hypothetical situation, like is there it, can you go under the limit too right so like can oh, you yeah. if you're a Wei, Wei Zhang, can it's you be like screw it i want to be the open like, weight champ too yes yeah dude's like adcc who gives a shit what you weigh it's open weight <laughs> we're going oh, start God, here I'm looking so dudes. On this. Let, i'm so I love that idea this. 
let me speak with a little more realistic optimism and also play off what, what Mike said. Yeah. People asking, why don't they just grab Bantam weights? And we touched on this before, so I don't need to, but for anyone who always asks that, it's like, guys, you have to understand there's an athleticism threshold where once you reach it, you're not going to pursue MMA as a career. If you're, if you're an athletic woman, who's in the 135, 145, 155, 160 range, whatever you're going and you're coordinated and you're athletic, you're going to pursue other better paying sports that don't involve you getting your face punched in. That's just, that's just how it is. That's the reality of it. Uh, and, and until, uh, the, so it's a, it's a money thing as well, right? It's a money thing as well until it's, it's worthwhile. And, 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 you know, and I say this often and the optimistic part is I hope, I think we're still going to see that generation of, uh, young women who were inspired by Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm. We've seen it already. We've seen some fighters come up who are like, who are like, Oh yeah, of course they're inspired by Ronda Rousey. Like, but they were still like 10, 11, 12 years old or in their early teens. I'm talking about kids who are watching MMA. This sounds like a, a fan, people who don't exist, but I want to believe that there is a next generation who will follow in those footsteps and become involved in martial arts really early with the eye of getting into MMA. And by the time they get there, that the money will be right and there will be reason for them to do it. It's not a guarantee by any means. We are not trending in that direction. That's just my my hope so that uh, th- that these divisions aren't hopeless forever. But if you guys are wondering, again, where are all the athletes, where are all the talented uh, women athletes? They're in doing other sports. They're doing other sports and they're making good money and they're not getting crazy ass fighting injuries. So that's just how it is. To that point. There's a reason that the weight classes that are successful are 105, 115, and 125. Mm -hmm. Because if you're super athletic at that, you're pretty limited. It's the same thing for heavyweight. If you're you're a large person and have athleticism, you're going to go play football. You're You're not going to go play basketball. That's that's not even factoring in the fact that like fighting is also very different and you have to sort of be willing to engage in that. And that's, that's a filter that's going to get a lot of people out to start. So absolutely for that, I hope you're right. AK, but I hope so. The reinforcements aren't coming right now, guys. They aren't coming. And that's the thing that's ultimately, that's ultimately why, what led me to even ask this question is because right now you take a picture, a snapshot of this division. It's really, really, really rough, but then you'll look ahead, right? Two years, three years, five years down the line. What are we working with? Like what, like what, what's, what's available at that point? And so when I threw this question out, is this the worst division ever? I, I don't do that lightly. Like, I don't feel like I like being hyperbolic. I don't want to exaggerate in that sense. So like you, Jed, I did a little research. I, I went down memory lane a little bit trying to find other bad divisions. I have a couple here. I just want to throw them out. None of these reached the level of what we're dealing with right now, at least in my opinion. I had heavyweight 2006, just like you. Tim Sylvia champion, Jeff Munson, Andre Olosky, like they boring, boring. old ass. <laughs> yeah, like really the most boring version of Andre Olosky. None of the pride guys. It's a total joke. All the heavyweights are over in Japan. Uh, like people earning decisions oh, by what was it, Alessio? Asuario Silva. Asuario Silva. Like oh my god! <laughs> people like this is how people were earning title shots. Oh. Being decision like decisioning Asuario Silva. You have guys from like UFC 12 still in there, like a Trey Tellingman and stuff. Like it was rough. Tim Sylvia versus Jeff Munson is one of the funniest visuals for a fight I've ever seen in my life. That was like one of the earlier UFC the worst fights fight I've ever, ever seen. Like sat down at a pay-per-view party to watch and it was so It was one of the worst fights that's ever happened. <laughs> it's literally yeah. ever happened. As I was going through, it felt like that was that was the low point. Heavyweight 2006, but I have a couple other honorable mentions here. Light heavyweight 2018 to 20. That was when it started getting pretty gross in the second Jones reign, right? Like DC's left. You have a, a washed up Alexander Gustafson. You have Anthony Smith getting title shots. Corey Anderson's. It's just not great. Chaco Santos. 
Yeah, it's pretty like, bad. It wasn't, it wasn't pretty a bad. good time. Welterweight, nineteen ninety eight to two thousand, which is maybe like that's pre modern era, but that's like Pat Militich, John Alessio, like Andre Pettinaris, who got a title shot off a one and zero record in MMA. Like that was just it, it was a rough scene. Flyweight. 2016 to 17 where we have dj at the top but then we're also sort of at the point where like nobody knows what to do with this people getting towel shots off a of tough wilson hayes ray borg <laughs> like, i almost had flywood really- on this but i didn't even have the dj point i was gonna go like that year after they got rid of him when at one point there were literally like 14 flyweights on roster oh, yeah when yeah. when yeah. if you if you were a flyweight in the ufc you had a ranking because they did not have any because they were actively trying to kill it i was like yeah that's that's pretty bad. Still not as bad as women's 135. Yeah, still not right as now, bad. Though. Still not as bad. And then of course women's featherweight were like, I feel like that's almost to the side. That's a lifetime achievement award. Yeah. And that was it. That was the list. Like for the most part, UFC divisions have been decent at best. They have been a C tier at best for most part throughout history. I can't think of another one. I say this with no sense of hyperbole, no sense of exaggeration. January. 24th, 2024. This is the worst division in the UFC in the history of the UFC. 30 years. This is the worst division we've ever seen. And I don't know um, how to fix it. Congrats to Raquel Pennington, the new champion. So let's just let's sound good. Congrats to Raquel Pennington. Raquel and Juliana Pena is going to be, a, I think, I don't know how great the fight itself is going to be. The build's going to be good. That's going to be a buzzworthy women's bantamweight title fight. I think we're going to be talking about it at the very least. So they've, laid the, they've laid the foundation for that. Okay, been you know what happens when we get that fight? Juliana Pena becomes champion again. If she doesn't, if Raquel Pennington <laughs> wins, and she absolutely can win, yeah. I might even, probably yeah. will even pick her, she will have fought everyone in the top seven of the whole class so she will by definition have to be rematching people or no aaron blanchfield will come up valentina could go up we don't want aaron blanchfield we don't want to sully her with this good weight that's that's not a thing we want to do i'm telling you two things that i have come to think as we have gone through this and i've looked at it one there is a real world with raquel pennington who like i said it's one of the worst fighters to ever hold the UFC belt. Couldn't be a long reigning champion because there's no one coming up to beat her. And two, legitimately, if I'm Ronda Rousey, I'm just coming back to reclaim the belt because, like, she probably could. And then enter her story on a better note. If there is ever a window, it's right now. Yeah. Raquel like, beats Ronda. Raquel beats Ronda. I'll say it right now. Raquel beats Ronda. Maybe. I wouldn't confidently choose that. Dude, Misha Tate's gonna Misha Tate's get a title shot this year. Like she might even get it like in the first half of the year. Like depending on this anything happens, she needs a win. win. If, if, if Misha Tate gets a win, she needs a win. I don't even think she needs a win. If Pennington beats Juliana Pena, guess who's gonna come to her defense? Her good buddy Juliana Pe- or Misha Tate. Like the storyline's already there. You beat the player, now you beat the coach of her on the Ultimate Fighter. Like that is storyline written. I don't think Misha needs to fight at all. She I think that win over Avila probably gets her a title shot right now. She, she beat Misha. Wait, she hasn't won over she Misha. Beat her she beat forever ago. She beat that was the retirement she fight. She There's a storyline here. I don't need to all slap right. a two I didn't on this Melissa one. Melissa Dixon to be good. Go over Kel. Yeah, go over Kel. I think she will be. I think she will be good. I need Melissa Dixon to be good. <laughs> that this then this therein lies the thing. In no other division in the history, modern history of the UFC, has there been no present, but also no future. And right now at Bantamweight, there is no present and there is no future. Other divisions have had the mirage, 
of a future or like the reality of a future. We don't even have the mirage of a future right now. What you just said puts fear in my heart, Mike Heck. If Raquel Pennington <laughs> beats Juliana Pena, what the fuck is her next title fight? Are we doing I like Ketlin Vieira? Are we, is this Holly Holm getting back in the mix? Like, what are we doing at that point? I mean, luckily, luckily the UFC doesn't like to go back to the well a third time because Pennington Holm, the first one wasn't like super awful, but the second one was one of the five worst fights I've ever watched. So I don't think we can go that route again, even with, even if the UFC really wants to put Holly in that spot, I don't think they would risk it doing it against Rocky again. Cause that second fight was so bad. I mean, just the worst. Also, Melissa Dixon is no longer Melissa Dixon. I just learned she's Melissa Mullins now. Oh, oh, that's worse. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Congrats, congrats, Melissa Dixon. That's, and, and, and that's worse. Partner. You're not becoming champion yeah. with that name. Come on. Well, she's Melissa. This is the, this is the bad quarterback name. This is the bad quarterback name theory. Where like no quarterback in NFL history that's been good has had a bad name. The, you, Melissa Mullins does not sound like a champion. She needs she a nickname doesn't. at the front of the name, like Magic Melissa Mullins. Like the, there we go. That's how you transform, transform it. Yeah, Maniac Melissa Mullins. Like you need. It's got to be MMM. Nickname comes first, and then maybe we have Triple something M. cooking. Triple M. Dude, there you go. I said this on something else. I'm just going through topology. Here's how bad what women's 135 is. <laughs> Are we still on this? Oh my god. <laughs> Are we still on this? Ronda Rousey is number 35 in the topology rankings at women's 135. <laughs> Are you serious? She has not <laughs> Is there 35 rate? Is there like 35 total fighters? No, no, they I mean, no, they do the thing where if you're a regional, you'll you can get the thing. She is number 35. She has not fought in eight years. This way, right. class. This way, class rules. We can move on, but just if you, since you have the screen up, I want to dart throw this. I'm just going to throw a random number, and I want you to tell me well, who's ranked at that number. What's the number 22 women's bantamweight in the world? Mm, Lena Elbow Queen Landsberg. Four straight losses. Lena Landsberg has hold on the number 22 with an iron fist. <laughs> Unbelievable. Honestly, that man. was a perfect person <laughs> to just <laughs> it's AK, it's your beautiful division is just I just want to be before no, our eyes. I was not laughing during that whole everyone else was laughing. I, I hope just, my silence. I'm not was laughing heard. in disrespect. I'm laughing at the statistics and the history that it's was just, just pulled out throughout this whole thing. It's it's shock. I laugh and I'm shocked. And I'm shocked a lot. Yeah, this was, AK, this was nervous the, laughter almost. AK, the winner of Melissa, formerly Dixon, now Mullins mm. versus Nora Cornoli is yeah. your one hope. Your is one that getting hope. booked? Is that booked? Yeah. Per oh, I mean, I, I, I should have known that, of course. Of course, per, I knew that. Per topology, it is. Uh, granted, as the future of the division will be 32 and 34, respectively. So, you know, tough future there. Oh but that's the hope for new blood. All right. We should move on before AK starts. We have to move on. I think we've broken AK. Second, this is the second time in a week I've been personally attacked, I feel. <laughs> and, and this one and this one is way worse. I say, is, this, is this one meaner? Way worse. <laughs> way worse. <laughs> oh, God. What the hell? All right, last thing of the day, and then we'll pour some out and get out of here. Just quickly on this, two other big moves we had. 
can't even get off. <laughs> I can't even move forward. I can't believe what we're dealing with. It's so ridiculous. This was the division of stars. As Shaheen was saying, uh, we got some, we got some big movers uh, this past month. Dude, Dude like, Shaheen, like 10 years just... ago, like 10 years ago, you would have put women's bantamweight at like an S tier. You would have put it like S or A tier. Like it was so good. Oh God. All right. It was headli- legitimately headlining and drawing it's, hundreds of thousands of pay-per-view buys. It's the, it's the light heavyweight division of women's MMA. Once upon a time, it was good. Now it's awful. So, Shaheen, how about that uh, Magman Ankalaev, <laughs> yeah. Mosar, Ivloev, yeah. and uh, Koji Horaguchi? How about that? How about those three guys? Yes, how about yes, that? yes. Uh, two other big moves we had on the MMA fighting global rankings. Uh, just very briefly hitting these. Mosar and Vloyev moving up at featherweight. This man, this man has it right now. He, he is right there within a title shot, moves up. Uh, it's from number nine to number five. So Movsar of Love now a top five featherweight after beating Arnold Allen. And then Magomed and Kalayev, the man everyone for three years has been predicting to be champion. Uh, he slightly moves up. He is now a top three light heavyweight for us after beating Johnny Walker. Moves up from number four to number three. I'll just throw this around the horn really quickly. Who you most impressed by and over under uh, 1.5 of these two guys holding a belt before they are done? And MMA, Mike. Let's go. You first. I mean, I think they, I think they both will. I mean, at some point in their careers. But as I put in print in MMAfighting.com, it's a tremendous website, and I didn't, this wasn't a future bet website. with plus eighteen hundred odds. Uh, I predicted, like legitimately, that Mavzar of will end twenty twenty four as the featherweight champion of the world. <laughs> and boy, do I feel much better about that pick after this fight with Arnold Allen. Yes, very close fight. Yes, some weirdness in the third round because no one can be consistent on rule sets in MMA. But Mavzar of is going to fight for the belt in his next fight. If Alexander Volk, especially if Volkanovski beats Ilya Taporia, and I kind of feel like he's going to just because of the vibes I'm feeling. Like Volkanovski's getting a title shot this year, so. And I think he just might be the guy because the Tapori is going to thump him up a little bit to the point where like the damage bar, Jed Mishu is going to start just sort of wavering a little bit more for Volkanovsky. And I think if Loyev's just going to get him at the right time and Goliath, like skill wise is like, if he fought Alex Perra right now, he, I would pick him to win, but the UFC is just kind of like groaning at the just mere thought of Magomed and Goliath being their champion right now, because it's just, He's just going to have that aura to him. Dana White has already branded him a boring guy who doesn't who doesn't need to be in main events for us anymore. So I think his road's going to be a lot longer. And I think I think they're just going to wait for Jamal Hill to come back for Alex Pereira. So I will say over one and a half. But if we're talking this year, I'll say under. He's he's branded move star as well. He's branded move star as boring as well. I don't which is think just so. ludicrous. I think that was an just accidental ridiculous. one though. I would hope so. I would hope so. There's, there's no way. He must have been talking about the middleweighty middleweight fight. He I don't know. Uh, it felt like he 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 really had it in for Mosar, or like he's aware of Mosar's like decision streak and just assumes because a guy hasn't been finishing that he's boring and just terrible. I don't know what that's about. Did he but say it was the I'll worst go, fight he's ever seen? Like, didn't that, he go that yeah. far with this? That, that, he said that, it's one of, one of the the worst, or like that's where you think he must have been talking about the wrong fight. Yeah, that's where you think he must have been talking about the wrong fight. But uh, I'll take under one and a half. Just there's too much weirdness. I do think one of them will. I don't know which one. I just think there's too much weirdness mma to comfortably predict that two great fighters who should be competing for a title shot sooner rather than later uh will w- actually win it i don't know i'm not willing to make that claim it's, it's too logical it's too logical and you cannot be that logical when you're making these predictions so i can't do it 
I'd take the over. Uh, I'm very, virtually certain Magomed and Kaliev will get the belt. Uh, I think Movsar has a good shot at getting there. And, you know, if, if Volk beats Taboria, he's going to get there. And then that's one more battle for Volk, one, one more bit of damage. Like he's, Volk is no longer getting better. There's, he is not improving. He will only get worse every time out from this juncture. And so, Avloyev has a chance to take that. Or if Tapori gets there, I just think Avloyev has a good chance in the style matchup. Uh, Mike, shout out to you. Just wanted to say, uh, we talked about this on the preview show. Avloyev to be champion by the end of the year, plus 1,800. We we talked about this in the pre-fight Q&A, suggesting people go bet that, because if you he wins, that number is going to come down. Plus 800 now. <laughs> it has dropped 1,000 points with that one win over Arnold Allen. Uh, it, it's very possible. So I'm definitely taking the over on both of them. I mean, I already have Ankoliev as my number one light heavyweight. So of course I'm taking that. I think I take the under just because I believe one of them will get it. And I'm not sure who, and there's just too much, like AK said, there's just too much weirdness and wackiness and how some of this stuff plays out that it feels presumptuous to say that both these guys will, but I don't feel comfortable with that. Like, I don't feel great about saying the under that, that feels incorrect to me. Uh, but I do have to just, if we're shouting out Mike, Mike, we're only like three weeks into 2024, but Mike has it laid out in front of him now to potentially have the greatest run of predicting UFC champions. <sighs> wow, why cur- you've just cursed him. You've just... <laughs> I don't want him to succeed. I don't, that sort of thing, so I I don't like want that. him to succeed because it's, yeah. he's going to crush the rest of us on the website if he does. Good. When, you, when, he, when he threw out Armin Sarukian for lightweight, he was the only person to, to go away from Islam on the whole website. And that felt crazy to me because it's like, what's the road for Armin to get a title shot? And now it's there. There's a very clear road for Armin to get a title shot this year. And Bosar, you also threw him out and very few people on the website had him. If you, if you could nail both these... That's I was the only one. I was the only one on Movsar as well. So I feel I feel pretty good about it. I at least have a bet on Movsar. So I which I okay respect. I did listen to No Bet's Bar, but yeah, I bet him I, it's and in print. Allen. It's in print. No value at all. Just I'm yeah. putting my putting the reputation out there of just terrible takes. Hopefully this turns it around for me. <laughs> Uh, well, let's get out of here. One last big, thing. Shout, big shout out to Kyoji. You keep getting Kyoji. One big shout out to Kyoji. Just won the Rising feather, uh, Flyweight title on New Year's Eve. We didn't get a chance. I was to just going to do that. Shows. He's talking. Well, I'm, I'm jumping on. I'm jumping on. <laughs> Come on do you want to do it? All right. AK. <laughs> I was going to set up the segment, but I'm not even. I'm not I even going to do it. I'm so antsy about it. The next thing we do here is we pour pour one out for our fallen soldiers, and we also welcome people in when they uh, join the rankings. So, AK, I forgot how the you. show works. I forgot how the show works. Uh, so, uh, and now I've embarrassed myself, and I don't know what to say. Koji Horiguchi beats uh, Makoto Shinru to win the uh, Rise and Flyweight title, New Year's Eve show. Uh, he's been back at Flyweight for a minute. He beat uh, Hiramasa Ogukubo as well. And then there was the weirdness in the first fight with Shinru with an uh, eye poke at the end of the fight in 25 seconds. So, like, we hadn't quite, I think we knew he was back, but our panel wasn't quite ready to commit to putting him, ranking him back. He's got gold around his waist. Those are two quality wins, uh, Hiramasu and uh, Shinru, both really good wins. And I think just also giving him credit for his past work at Flyweight. I think we're all kind of salivating at the possibility of him going back to the UFC someday and fighting the current crop. I would love to see. 
a dozen of oh, those man. matchups. I, well, not all can us. you imagine Kyoji getting just injected into oh, that flyweight division right now? He's he's probably happy in Japan. There's a good chance he never fights again in the UFC, and that's fine. But oh, how can I you? Mean, there are a lot of rumors stuff? about it. Not everyone would be excited. One of our panelists barely thinks he deserves a ranking. That's that's what a whole other that? thing. But that is a he's criminal in, ranking of he's, he's back in at flyweight. He is top five, and uh, and and that feels right. Absolutely, I won't. I won't put this individual on blast publicly. Criminal ranking of Kyoji Horiguchi. AK, okay, you you took it. Finished oh, the whole thing. Who who we who we yeah, pouring we out gotta, for? Yeah, we got to pour it out for a couple of mainstays. Two names that have been in our rankings since the beginning, since we started doing this a few years ago. Uh, Tisha Torres and Brian Ortega. Now they didn't do anything wrong. They obviously haven't lost fights. They just haven't competed. They just haven't competed. Brian Ortega's all kinds of injuries have kept him out since the uh, the year fight, of course. And yes, Brian is rebooked, uh, and that will happen actually a month from now. So we could see Brian Ortega right back in the rankings, but it had just been so long we had to remove the one-time title challenger. And uh, Tisha Torres, being a mom, you know, taking care of that. She's got her own thing going on. Might not see her back in the rankings for a while. We do almost, almost sure she's going to fight again. She's incredibly determined and in some of the most amazing shape of anyone in the UFC roster. So uh, I think we'll see her fight again. But just for now, Tisha's got to come out. But she's been top 10, top 12 forever. So we got to pour it out for Tisha for now. Um, and uh, Ortega, I think he'll be back, but I don't know. I, I, we've had a little discussion on the side of like, if he loses to Yair again, do we put him right back in? I don't know. We'll see. I will not. I won't rank him if he loses. His his Just last straight win up. is straight up. His last win is twenty twenty, and it's over Korean Zombie. So, long time ago. That's so like, weird. It's so yeah. weird. So also super weird to look because I pulled him up when AK started talking. Like he does have wins over people currently on roster, at least. Like you know, Julian Pena famously does not. But it's Clay Guida, Cub Swanson, ooh, and then Hanato Moicano, which is just so funny to me that that's like, good win. It's a good win. That's not, a good win. Not a great featherweight win now, since also that win was seven years ago. So you know, yeah, it just no. You gotta if twenty twenty four again. I've I've said on many programs, it's the year of truth, justice, freedom, um, meritocracy. That's what's coming to MMA. As a result, I intend to bring that to my rankings, and you you gotta fight to stay in the rankings. You can't just squat on a ranking because it's something you did ten years ago. You're gonna have to be putting in the work. Tommy Aspinall in this business to to stay in my rankings. That's that's just going to be a requirement for me. Ortega kind of like stealth squatted too. Like he's been squatting yep. a long time without really getting called on it. I, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if he if he loses this upcoming fight, I'm gonna throw him back in there because I still feel like he's a top 15 talent. But I don't know how high I will go with that because you're right. The resume, you look at it, it's not great. It's tough, tough, tough. All right. Well, this has been today's MMA Fighting Rankings show. We appreciate you guys, as always, for joining us. It was a fun time. I hope you guys had a fun time. The train moves on. We got a week off here, but then all of a sudden, we're right back at it. So keep it locked to MMA Fighting for all of your podcast needs, editorial needs. It's a great website, I've heard. I've yet to check it out, but I've been meaning to do so. I'll do so. Do check it out. Soon. It's a good spot. I've heard. I've heard. Uh, that man is Mike Heck. That man is Gemma Shu. That man is the infection. Alexander K. Lee. I'm Sean Oshadi. We love you guys. We'll see ya.
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. <laughs> 